without which no one will see the Lord. Shall we pray? Our Father, we thank you that we can gather together around your word. We cannot know anything, Lord, unless you reveal it to us. Blessed Holy Spirit, that you would grant us understanding, that as we consider the word, that it would have its right effect in all of our hearts. We do pray, Lord, that as we look at your word, that you would transform, you would convict, you would conform us more to the image of Christ. We thank you for all that you have done. And we thank you for this privilege of studying the word together. We plead in your holy name. Amen. This morning as we come to this text in Hebrews 12 and verse 14, the context of it is a discouraged people. They've seen and been presented to them the person and work of our Lord Jesus Christ, His priestly work, His kingly work. They are going through some very difficult times. They're being persecuted. They have lost their earthly possessions. And so we read in chapter 10 and verse 36, For you have need of endurance, so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. For yet a little while, and he who is coming will come and will not tarry. Now the just, he says, shall live by faith, If anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. We are not those who draw back to perdition, but to those who believe to the saving of the soul. Earlier in the chapter, he talks about the struggles, about the suffering, about the reproach, the tribulations that they have experienced, plundering all of their goods. And so they're discouraged. And they might be thinking of turning back. And so, as a faithful servant who will always be faithful to the people of God, he comes to encourage but also to warn them regarding turning back. He says in Hebrews 12:14, Pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Now the term holiness here does not refer to a positional holiness being justified uh, before God, but it is a progressive holiness, sanctification, because we are to follow after it and we cannot follow after in justification, which is exclusively um, the work of God as well. It is that holiness which is given to us by the Spirit of God and which flows from the atoning work of our Lord Jesus Christ. So this is what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 25. He says, Husbands, 
love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave Himself for her, that He might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the Word. That He might sanctify. That is part of the atonement of our Lord Jesus Christ. In Titus, the second chapter, listen to what Paul says again in verse 14, who gave Himself, that is the Lord Jesus Christ for us, that He might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for Himself His own special people, zealous for good works. In other words, the atonement of Christ is that which is applied to every single believer, every person for whom Christ accomplishes salvation will be holy. You cannot separate Christ as Savior and Christ as Lord. There's no such thing as a person having that is a salvation to enter heaven that is apart from a holy life. So this warning is urgent, especially in our day, when so often the gospel is presented that if you just come to Jesus and just believe in Jesus, you'll be saved and you'll go to heaven and that's it. They live the way that they want and still in the world. It cannot be because the atonement of Christ secures the sanctification, holiness of God's people. Therefore, it is urgent. It's an issue of life and death. And when you look at our text in verse 14, what you will see here is that it is inflexible of what he says. Listen, without which no one will see the Lord. Holiness, without which. No, no flexibility. No matter if you made a decision, if you are not holy, you will not see the Lord. No matter if you go to church, if you're not holy, you will not see the Lord. No matter if you're a pastor, no matter if you're a deacon, no matter if you've gone forward in a service, if you do not have a holy life, you will not see the Lord. Now here's the question this morning. How do we know whether we possess this holiness without which no man shall see the Lord? We want to consider simply four marks of gospel holiness this morning. The first one is this. Gospel holiness will affect the entire being of a believer. It spreads itself not only over the head, but also the heart, the inside, the outside of a believer. Listen to what Paul says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 23. He says, Now may the God of peace Himself sanctify you completely, 
And may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless. Our understanding is clothed with holiness. Our mind is adorned with holiness. Our wills bow to holiness. And our affections are sprung by that of holiness. So that our love is a holy love. Our grief is a holy grief. Our joy is a holy joy. This is the standard that the Lord gives in Holy Scripture in 1 Peter 1 and verse 15 of that chapter. Listen to what He says. This is what God says. But as He who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, because it is written, Be holy, for I am holy. Perfection is what God desires. We cannot accomplish perfection, but we are striving towards it. We are striving to be perfect even as He is perfect. So that all areas of our behavior is under this area of holiness. Our hands in what we do. Our lips in what we say. Our eyes in what we see. Our feet where we go. Our heart and our affection are all in the context of conforming to the will of God. There are those who have new heads, but old hearts. And they are as far off from true holiness as the devil from real happiness. Secondly, gospel holiness will always seek to climb to the highest level. A believer sets no bounds or no limits on how he or she can be holy. You cannot be too holy. You cannot attain. You are always striving to be more and more holy. There is always room for improvement as long as we have sin within us. To receive a little holiness will not satisfy a believer. To have enough holiness to make him happy will not satisfy him. A believer's heart is continually inflamed, wanting more and more to be perfect even as he is perfect. Meaning that you will look at all areas of your life. Is this your desire? Is this what is your focus that you are seeking, Lord, in everything that I do, that I do it according to your will, that I'm holy in everything? So often, we come to profess Jesus Christ and then we kind of coast along and it's just okay. After all, if I've come to Jesus, I put my faith in Him, I trust in Him, I'm going to heaven, I can just kind of coast. I don't want to do anything violent, however. I don't want to do anything really, really super bad. 
I'm very careful, but there are areas uh, that I like and areas I'm not willing to give up and they coast along. No. No. A true believer is one who is inflamed in their hearts to strive to be perfect in all things. That's why a pastor's work is never done. Ephesians chapter 4, listen to part of the work of a servant of the Lord. In Ephesians 4, here's what we read in verse 13 of that chapter. The work of the ministry. Let me back up a little bit to verse 11. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. That is, building them up in the most holy faith. Till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect mature man to the measure of the statues of the fullness of Christ. That's the ministry of a pastor. Pastor is so uh, to preach and he is so to do his duties in that realm. And until the people of God have reached perfection, there's always job to be done until they are fully mature in Christ. There's always work to be done. And what you see across so many professing churches in our day um, that a pastor, he comes in and he pastors for about six years and he, he uses up all of his sermons and then he's got to go somewhere else so he can start over again. Or you hear men say, well, my work is done here. I've done everything I can. i got to move on. No, you don't have to move on. How can you? Are your people perfect? Are they fully united? Do they understand the Word of God? Are they walking perfectly in holiness? Your work is always there. But so is the pastor's work. The cry of believer is, Oh God, that the spark of holiness in my heart would turn into a flame and that the drop of holiness would be turned into a sea. I cry. I cry with David. Create in me a new heart. May it be that you wash me thoroughly from my sins. This is the desire of gospel holiness. Thirdly, Gospel holiness will always hate and seek to turn from all sin. You see in Psalm 119 where David says this in verse 104, Through your precepts I get understanding. Therefore, he says, I hate every false way. A true Christian who is walking in true holiness, will hate every evil way, every sin. And when he speaks about 
hating. He says every false way, singular, every false way. Many times professing believers will say, well, you know, I'm not as maybe as good as uh, as as Joe over here, but but I'm holding my own. I'm not all that bad. No. Every sin is hated. Every sin is sought to be turned from. This is a true believer. A holy man knows that all sins strike at the holiness of God. And therefore, he or she is against it, looks upon every sin as having a hand in the death of the Savior, and so he cries to put them all to death. Every sin dishonors God and is an enemy of Christ. All sin. Notice how the Lord deals with this in Matthew chapter 5. In Matthew chapter 5, in the Sermon on the Mount, the Lord Christ is giving many different directives regarding true gospel holiness. He comes in verse 27 to speak of adultery in the heart. And he says in verse 27 of Matthew 5, You have heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Then he gives this warning, verse 29. If your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out and cast it from you. For it is more profitable for you that one of your members perish than for your whole body to be cast into hell. Notice, he says, if your right eye causes you to sin, singular. doesn't say many sins, because then we could say, well, I don't do a whole lot of sins. I just, you know, there's a couple that I really love and kind of keep them, but I, I don't do all, a lot of them. But see, our Lord narrows it down. He says, if your eye causes you to sin, singular. And what's the result of that? If you don't mortify, if you don't deal with it, if you don't turn from it, if you're not seeking by God's grace that He would give you uh, the grace to turn from it, what is it? You're going to hell. You're going to hell. We have a very laid-back Christianity of our day who as long as you are somewhat holy, it is okay. But the Lord Jesus Christ says every sin is important. Every sin must be taken into account. You cannot have a darling sin and expect to reach to glory. You remember Judas? He pretended to be holy. He walked with the disciples. Nobody could tell. They even said to the Lord, is it I? When the Lord says, one will be betrayed. But what happened to Judas? One sin, the sin of money, the sin of covetousness, ruined him and he went to hell. Simon Magus believed. He believed. He was joyful. He was baptized. Um, but his bitterness, 
His covetousness, His godlessness was revealed to His own ruin. Listen, one flaw ruins the diamond. One hole can sink the ship. One nap and Samson lost his strength. A holy heart will rise up with the least of sin. There is no little sin and there's no little God and there's no little damnation. You find that in our day. We've got to talk differently to young people. We have to use their language. We have to get them interested. You don't want them going out of the service saying, you know what, I wasn't interested at all. I I didn't care. So you have to do, you have to say things. You have to water things down. You've got to turn and use their jargon. You you have to present a whole different gospel so that they go away. Wow, that was great. I really like that youth director. I really like him. As the old saints of old says, when you can present a little God and you could present a little hell, then I will preach a little gospel, a watered-down gospel. No, my friend, it is all the same. Ananias and Sapphira, what happened? They were struck dead for a lie. And what do we say in our day? A little white lie isn't all that bad. (laughs) I lie here and there. Not really that bad. I didn't murder anybody. I didn't burn anything down. I just kind of lied a little bit. Ananias and Sapphira found out it was no joke. And they were struck down. Even more so Lot's wife. For just a look. She just turned to look. Nothing bad about that. There's a, there's a city on fire. I look back. You're curious? She turned into a pillar of salt. One sin that is known, that is revealed, you know it to be sin. God has shown you that it is sin. And you do not seek to mortify that sin will send you to hell. Now, we have sins that we're fighting against. We have sins uh, that we are seeking to put to rest. And it may be the entire Christian life that we don't fully succeed. But at least we are working at it. At least we are weakening that sin. At least we are working upon that sin. We don't let it run rampant. But we are seeking, Lord, mortify. Like Paul says in Romans 8 and verse 13. Mortify. That is, put it to death. Kill it. We are seeking to do that. Now certainly there are sins that we don't even know there are sins. We don't know everything. And the Lord Christ takes care of that. But when there is known sin, when there is sin that we dally with, and we are not seeking to put to rest and to kill, may end up killing our own soul. That's what the Lord is saying. And when the Hebrew writer comes and he says, look, without holiness, no man 
shall see the Lord. He means exactly that. There are no exceptions. And then lastly, gospel holiness is one who is taken up with the glory of Christ. A holy soul desires to see more and more of Christ. If someone asked you, what is your all in all? What are you putting your confidence in? What is it that is most precious to you? What is it uh, that is above all? What do you say? Do you say Christ? Do you say Christ? He is my all in all. I live for Him. I live to see His glory. I behold that beauty. That means I study Holy Scripture. Do you know that there are so-called believers that never open the Word of God and read? No, says a true believer. I must know more about my Savior. I must see His glory. It's what we studied in Sunday school where God shows by a sovereign act of mercy where He comes upon a sinner. He reveals the light of the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Beautiful in all of His holiness. That's whom we're in love with. That's our all in all. And what we studied earlier session is uh, that what Paul is saying in Philippians 3 is, I count everything lost. I don't put confidence in my property. I don't put confidence in a husband and wife. I don't put uh, confidence in riches. I don't put confidence in anything in this life. It is Christ. Christ alone. True holiness sees glory in Christ, drawn attention to Him. And here is the attitude. The attitude is found in Colossians chapter 1. The desire of the Apostle for all of God's people is this, Colossians 1 and verse 10, that you may walk worthy of the Lord. Now notice, fully pleasing Him, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to His glorious power for all patience and long-suffering with joy. Increasing in knowledge. And knowledge is in the Word of God. And the Word of God can only be understood by the Spirit of God. We must go to the Word. The question then here of the Hebrew writer is this. Are you a holy man, woman today? You profess to know Christ. Has there been a transformed life? Do you see things differently? Does it affect your whole being, heart, soul, mind, everything? Do you take sin seriously where you hate 
every sin. Because sin is what nailed Christ to the cross. Do you at all look at the Word of God as that which reveals knowledge of Him and you want to know more and more, to see more glory in Him, to behold Him more and more? Do you deal with every sin? Do you seek and always seeking to be holy? Do you ever come to a point to where you say, you know what? I think I've reached my limit. I think I'm okay. Many have done that. No, until every single sin and disobedience is wiped away of what God has shown to us, we are not happy. We're not satisfied. Do you have this holiness of which the Scripture speaks of? Because here's what the preacher is saying. Without holiness, no man no man will see the Lord. If not, you need to reconsider and look and ask the Lord to show more to you about holiness. You can go to different denominations and there's all types of codes and all types of standards of what is holiness. But I would submit to you that you go to Holy Scripture and you in the Scriptures seek out, Lord, what is it to be sanctified, to be holy, to be set apart, and with all might and all power that we would be a people that are persevering until the end. Serious questions. And a serious warning. But what a blessed, blessed experience it is to have Jesus Christ as your Savior and His Spirit working in you where you are a holy man, a holy woman. Paul never got over that. <laughs> he was always, always giving his testimony. How can it be? How can it be, Lord? I don't deserve it. And yet you redeem me and you've given me this disposition. You've given me this heart. I desire to be holy. It's not me. The natural man hates God. But here, you gave me this desire. What a blessing that is. And what fellowship and communion that true believers have with their Savior. Shall we pray? Our Father, we thank You so much for Your mercy to us, not only saving our souls, bringing us, Lord, to the blessings of justification being right before You, but Your grace of sanctifying, making us holy. May we not err, Lord. May we carefully Look and study Your Word. May it be, Lord, that this holiness 
is truly part of our profession to You. We do plead, Lord, that You would grant it and that You would not at all allow anyone to be deceived and end up in destruction. We thank You for Your grace. We thank You for the way that You have so worked. And we pray You would make us more and more holy. We would, Lord, be those who are not known for all of our fame, all of our wealth, but we are known as holy men and women. We plead, Lord, for Your mercy. In Your name, Amen.